Hello and welcome to the very first Howard Wright Monthly Market Update with me, Ashley Smith, and Howard Wright's Managing Director, Gareth Roberts. We're introducing this podcast to complement the monthly emails and keep you, the clients, up to date with what's going on in investment markets. January has now come to a close and the data appears to show it's been a good month for investment markets off the back of a challenging 2022. Today, Gareth is going to explain how both bonds and equities have added value for investors and put this into context for markets more broadly. Thank you, Ashley. Yes, as you as you correctly said, January has been a, a positive month on, on the back of uh, negative performance really throughout most of, of, of 2022. And I think before we discuss the positive elements, it is actually worth just recapping why 2022 was so challenging. And in one word, inflation. Coming into 2022, the uh, general market consensus was that inflation was temporary. And as the global economy reopened from the coronavirus, a lot of the inflationary pressures that we're seeing would subside without much intervention from the world's central banks. And unfortunately, that just didn't prove to be the case. And to put this into context for you as to how markets were derailed by um, sustained higher inflation, Um, If we examined the Federal Reserve, the US central banks, and arguably the most important central bank in the world meeting notes from December in 2021, they expected interest rates to be no higher than 0.9% by the end of 2022. And we're now talking about literally today interest rates increasing potentially up to 4.75 to 5% range in the US. So why did inflation surprise? A popular narrative is that we get to blame Vladimir Putin, uh, which certainly did contribute to sustained higher inflation, but equally China um, locking down uh, its economy for for most of 2022 continued to disrupt supply chains. And I think another narrative which which is very key for 2022 and also moving forwards is that we have seen persistently tight labour markets in that companies are struggling to fill positions um, that arose during COVID. A lot of people left the workforce and quite frankly, we just haven't seen them return. And this is this is certainly a concern for the world's central banks in that they want to avoid a 1970s style wage inflation spiral where tight labour markets lead to higher wages, which sustain um, higher levels of inflation. So why did this matter for markets? Um, ultimately, higher interest rates are the opportunity cost for investments. Why take investment risk if you can get a higher level of return for no risk? And we have benefited from the past, uh, well, since the financial crisis really, from from an uh, environment of ultra low interest rates, which which went lower during the pandemic to support the global economy. And, And what we've seen is quite an aggressive reversal of that over the course of 12 months, which basically impacted both equity markets generally and and bond markets. So coming into 2023, towards the back of 22, we had seen inflation peak in in certain economies and and, and arguably in the US, the world's most important economy. Uh, We've seen a lot of supply chain issues subside and we've seen headline inflation rates really start to come down. So the market almost moved on to the narrative of, well, Okay, if inflation is falling, but what impact are these higher interest rates going to have on the strength of the economy? And that was the main concern coming into 23. And with January's performance, those fears 
seem to have abated somewhat, perhaps prematurely. So in January, we ultimately seen optimism, economic optimism driven by China almost doing a complete 180 degree turn on its COVID zero policy and effectively fully reopening their economy. And we've also seen more optimism over the Eurozone economy, which was almost nailed on for a recession, um, given concerns over um, energy shortages that would have you know, big German manufacturing and industrial companies having to shut down to preserve energy supply to, to its population. And again, we just haven't seen that materialize, thanks mainly to um, filling up the storage tanks over the course of 22, and also the fact that we have benefited from a, from a much milder winter than was expected. So both of those um, have been a boost to, to economic optimism. And what we now await is central banks' response to that. So if inflation is starting to come down, will central banks decide to not raise interest rates any further? And in fact, will they then start to cut interest rates towards the end of this year if we start to see a slowdown in the global economy? And that, well, that really is where the uncertainty is. Um, if central banks maintain interest rates at these high levels for a sustained period of time until inflation comes back down to, to target, then we are running the risk of the, the economic impact is going to be much greater than the markets are currently fearing, which unfortunately could then lead to further losses, certainly in, in equity markets. Okay, so for those clients that do track major global stock markets, should they take them at face value for a comparable return or do they need to dig a bit deeper? Um, I certainly think tracking the performance of global stock markets will give you a good idea as to how the equities in your portfolio should be performing. But unfortunately, like anything in investments, that's not a, a straightforward answer. And to put that into context, you really need to to separate almost a country from its stock market. And, and the best example of that would say be in the United Kingdom. So uh, United Kingdom is a lot of bad press going around about the state of the economy at the moment, um, driven by a multitude of factors, but political uncertainty, the state of the public finances and the long going impact of Brexit. Um, the, the outlook for the UK economy is in fact the only economy that is predicted by the IMF this year to actually contract at the moment. But the UK stock market has done particularly well. So why is that? And the fact is that um, historically, large international firms for our legal and accountancy um, background have decided to list their companies on the United Kingdom Stock Exchange, adhering to our rules to be a part of that exchange in order to secure finance, even if they have very little or no operations in the UK. And so to put that into context, you know, the over 70% of earnings from FTSE 100 companies actually come from overseas and is not actually generated within the United Kingdom. So the FTSE 100 does not give any indications to the state of the, of the UK economy. So stock indices um, are a mixed bag of companies. Again, most of those are based on what we call market capitalization. So the size of a firm will dictate as to its representation into an index. And again, putting some context around that, for up until very recently, Apple on its own was valued at more than all of the FTSE 100 companies listed in the UK added together. So if you were tracking world markets, you'd have actually ended up with more money invested in Apple than you would in the UK. 
So whilst tracking an individual indices um, can give a, a high level indication as to performance, it, it may not be fully representative in your portfolio. Another reason for that would be examining the types of companies that you hold in your portfolio. And, and very, very generally, these can be split into two, two types of companies, value companies and growth companies. Now, growth companies are those which tend to trade at higher share prices for their potential. So growth companies' earnings are expected to grow exponentially faster than the underlying market or competitors in certain sectors. So good examples of, of growth companies over the last decade or so would be the likes of Apple, um, Tesla, uh, Meta, um, previously Facebook, Google, companies which are just expected to continue to grow their earnings and ultimately the price you pay today almost becomes an irrelevance in the future. Growth companies have generally outperformed their value counterparts over the last 12 years because of the favorable interest rate backdrop. If you put the money in the bank and are generating very little, you're willing to take a lot more risk than overpay for a share price today for that future potential because your opportunity cost is so low. And that's certainly benefited growth companies over the last decade since the financial crisis. And of course, then with higher interest rates, we've seen a sharp reversal of that in 2022. Conversely, with value companies, they have fared better over the last 12 months, quite simply because they are less sensitive to interest rates. Their valuations uh, are a lot lower than growth companies, and so they haven't been impacted by higher interest rates. And also, at an individual company level, the types of companies which are currently classed as value companies have tended to be energy and oil companies. Of course, with higher energy and oil prices for most of the last 12 months, um, those share prices have, have stacked up quite well. Now, key moving forwards will be whether we've seen a, a rotation and that value is going to lead the market forward for a substantial period of time, or are we going to revert back to the pre-COVID environment where growth companies um, outperformed if we return to a much lower inflationary and interest rate environment in the near future. Thanks for putting that into context. So where do we feel equities go from here? Well, I think that's the question that's dominating most people who are investing as minds at the moment. And I'd love to sit here and I'd say I've got the answer, but we're at the crystal ball, Ashram, unfortunately. Um, I don't have an answer to that. Um, but really, if we try and put into context what may frame equity performance moving from here. So Generally, stock markets over the longer term are driven by a company's earnings prospects, i.e. how much profit are they going to make and ultimately return to their investors. And that has been the case for pretty much the entire length of the stock market. But in the very short term, sentiment generally dictates the direction of the stock market, such as one-off events, uh, such as terrorist attacks, uh, which raised concern, and obviously the war in Ukraine has, has pretty much dominated the headlines over the last 12 months. But I think actually, in the very short term, it could actually be earnings, which are the driver of markets from here. So whilst we have seen losses in equity markets, uh, unfortunately, whilst they're an above average loss, they are somewhat off the maximum losses that we've seen over the last 30 years. And I think the focus will pretty much be on how well corporate earnings hold up if we are entering a more challenging economic backdrop. 
So for much of the last 12 months, corporate earnings have held up relatively well. Given that low unemployment and robust economic growth has allowed many businesses to pass on their higher input costs that we have seen due to inflation and supply chain issues. Whilst inflation stays high, and whilst this post-COVID bounce of individuals buying products and spending money on services because of the lockdowns, if that has started to abate, then businesses' ability to pass on those higher costs may be more constrained and may unfortunately lead to um, lower profit margins. And, and what is the unknown is how much of that is already discounted into market. So if we, if we get a plethora of negative earnings surprises, unfortunately, we could still see equity markets fall further from here. Thank you for that. Um, something that is commonly overlooked when investing globally is the role that currency plays on returns. Could you just explain a little bit about that for us, please? Yes, no problem. So I think as I just alluded to in the last section, really, um, companies operate internationally and will be earning uh, their turnover um, and, and thus profits in various different um, jurisdictions and countries. Um, and so perhaps we'll be earning money in, in, in several different in currencies. And depending upon where you are then listed as a company or, or headquartered, those earnings have to be turned back into your, your host currency. Um, and the same is, is the same for investors. So if we're investing a client's money overseas, say in the United States, um, what happens between sterling and the dollar will have an impact on the returns that are generated for that individual from their overseas investment. So for most of the last 12 months, We've actually seen a benefit um, and a positive impact of currency movements. So sterling has generally weakened against most of the world's currencies, um, other than the yen, really, the Japanese yen. And, and that's mainly due to the fact that the, the Japanese are, are currently manipulating their, their interest rates um, and government bond markets to preserve ultra-low interest rates to try and generate inflation, which is what they've been trying to do for the last 30 years. Um, the reason why sterling has struggled, uh, again, a multitude of reasons, um, mainly political uncertainty, the state of the public finances, and the fact that the Bank of England has raised rates, but at a slower pace than what has occurred in the United States. So on the basis that the, the dollar is the global reserve currency, the Federal Reserve has aggressively raised interest rates at a faster pace than, say, in Europe and in the United Kingdom. Investors have wanted exposure to that dollar. And, and to put that into context, um, US investments for somebody investing in the UK, the currency has benefited you to anywhere between 8 and 10% over the last 12 months. And I think it's important to, to labour that point because we have started to see a little bit of a reversal. So political uncertainty to a degree following the removal of Liz Truss and the appointment of Rishi Sunak has abated a little in the UK. And it is expected that if the Federal Reserve is starting to pause its interest rate increases, that perhaps the Eurozone and the United Kingdom will need to continue to raise rates a little more to bring inflation under control. So sterling has recovered back from some of its lows, certainly against the dollar. Now, that could be a headwind moving forwards for the portfolios. So if sterling continues to do well, as we saw during January, returns will be less 
from our overseas investors. So great explanations there for our clients with regards to equity markets. Thank you very much. Um, similar to equities, bonds had a difficult 2022, but also a better start to this year. Yes, so putting that into context, then again, not to repeat myself really, but um, bonds are impacted more by inflation than, than equities. And, and why is that the case? Well, let's take, for example, if you... Uh, if we look at really the nature and the relationship investing in bonds, and we'll take a very si a simple example of, say, the UK government. So the UK government issues debt to, to finance itself, and that debt is issued um, primarily through banks, but it ends up in a secondary market. So once you've purchased a bond, you, you are free to sell that on a secondary market. So if we take an example of the UK just very simply issuing a, a bond for £100 for 10 years, and let's just say they pay you an interest rate of 2% per annum. Now, if that is issued to an individual, they know that if as long as the UK government doesn't default on its debt, they will get their £100 back in 10 years' time, and throughout the life of that bond will get an interest payment of 2% per annum. Now, whether that is actually offering value or not is dependent upon what's happening in underlying markets. So you can imagine that £100 today, if inflation is running substantially higher than 2%, then that individual is not being compensated for higher inflation. So that individual may well want to sell that bond. And of course, to sell a bond, you, like any other um, investment or asset, you need to find a buyer. Now, if an individual in the current environment can, say, get 4% by taking no risk, then they're highly unlikely to buy that bond for its £100 value. So effectively, if they did want to buy that bond, they're going to offer the holder of the bond a substantially lower price today. And that's why we see if interest rates are increasing in the market, those existing investors of bonds actually lose capital. And that is why we saw quite significant losses in bond markets over the last 12 months. Where we are today, because the assumption is that inflation has peaked across most markets and countries, central banks, if they do raise rates, may only raise them by a smaller amount than what we saw in 2022. And so there is a general consensus, well, is the worst over for bonds? And I think very generally for government bonds, you could say that is the case. And in fact, if the market's fears do switch towards the state of the economy and the potential for an economic downturn or recession, then bonds may actually provide the ballast to portfolios moving forwards because you'd see a greater demand for bonds in such an environment, hopefully recouping some of those losses that you saw in 2022. But I think it's worth pointing out that you know investments in bonds are quite wide ranging and whilst government bonds are, are relatively safe, you know you can also have portfolios made up of corporate debt and corporate debt, like say individuals, the interest rate they pay is linked to their riskiness. So if you're a very safe business with a very good credit rating, you pay a relatively low interest rate and they perform very closely with government bonds. But if you are deemed to be a, uh, a risky counterparty to lend to, what we call high yield or junk debt, then you pay a much higher interest rate. And if we are going into an economic downturn, then 
those are the types of investments in the high yield space that you perhaps do not want to be holding. So I think if you are investing in bonds, it, it's it's um, it's quite key to make sure you know what you are holding, certainly for the environment that we may be heading into. All that's left to say is thank you to Gareth for the update and thank you at home for listening. Please make sure you subscribe so that you automatically get notified when the next monthly market update is available. This recording contains information from sources believed to be reliable, but no guarantee, warranty or representation expressed or implied is given to its accuracy. Howard Wright does not undertake any obligation to update or revise any future statements. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future results. Investments can go down as well as up, and actual results could differ materially from those anticipated. This recording is for the information purposes only and has no regard to the specific investment objectives or financial situation of any individual. The information contained in this recording is not intended to constitute and should not be construed as investment or financial advice. Appropriate personalised advice should always be taken before entering into any transactions. No responsibility can be accepted for any loss arising from action taken or refrain from being taken based on this publication. Howard Wright is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.